1: Huh.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Pete And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the
3: show, The Midnight Club. Today we are covering the third episode titled The Wicked Heart.
2: I yeah. like these titles.
3: Um, yeah, they're the titles of the the midnight club stories ghost stories i like that <laughs> yeah
2: i i'm enjoying that very much what did you think of this week's episode i i i had a feeling i was thinking about you because it was kind of uh, yeah. kevin centric so what'd was, you think it was a kevin episode
3: <laughs> and it's it was um kevin's my boy and so it was a little uh bittersweet because i'm like yay kevin and i'm like oh <laughs> kevin
2: <laughs> like,
3: Oh, really? <laughs> man, are you so, starting
2: to see or or pick up I, some vibes maybe mm, i mean we won't we don't have to go too we'll talk deep about it we'll anything. talk about okay, it we'll okay talk about. okay it.
3: Where, well, where my thoughts lie on on this stuff okay so but i was it was i did find it funny that after <laughs> so much kevin love and then this episode i'm like and it's a kevin episode and it's like <laughs> man they're really trying to push this whole Shady Kevin situation. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> but it was fun. It was a good, I thought it was um, juicy. I'm yeah. re- really
3: digging the ghost story parts. Mm-hmm. Those are always, yeah. I've, I found myself like waiting for it. Like the, the rest of the story is entertaining or interesting or emotional. Like there's other great stuff going on. But I found myself being like, but when do they get to the library? When do they tell the story? <laughs> when when's this week's story? I'm ready for it.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, I I like this episode too. Um I I did like that it was a, a Kevin centric cuz he is an intriguing character. I mm-hmm. feel like he is kind of mysterious. I'm not sure about him yet. So, um I thought that was really great. I liked getting more insight into like the kids and their families. So, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um so, yeah, I think think there's some good things to talk about this week. I'm sure we're probably going to be overlapping because again, these, you know, they're hour-long episodes, but it's so hard to pick out like um like at least for me five full points, you know. Yeah, I um,
3: to talk all about. of my notes except for like two random little things literally all fit within the five points that I yeah. have. Like I don't really have any extra notes because it's like Every note I took fit in one of the five. That I yeah,
2: had. this is a, a different. Um, I don't know if it's because it's so. Oh, I don't know the right term. I, I can't think of like almost like in a bubble or something. I don't know. Um, that's not really the right term, but uh, yeah, maybe because the world isn't as big. It's like all happening here, right? In in this one location, maybe. And I know we've got like the ghost stories, but um, I don't know. There's I'm having a lot a hard time really kind of picking things out. So I feel like we'll have points, but I feel like it's probably going to delve more into conversations because we're mm-hmm. going to have the same things to talk about, which is totally fine because yep. that's kind of the whole point. <laughs> have a <laughs> conversation about a show that you're enjoying. Um, well, speaking of which, why don't you go ahead and kick us off this week with your first point?
3: All right. Uh, The first one I have is, short and sweet literally sweet uh in some case but also really sad uh it's (laughs) better use the word (laughs) bittersweet again um i want to talk about uh natsuki yeah and her big kind of moments in this episode and what she went through personally um which of course starts really with the scene of her finding her ex-roomie her friend tristan that she's been reading to uh Going to read to her and her not responding and her just deciding, even though she probably isn't supposed to, you know, as we kind of talked about.
1: Mm-hmm. But but
3: going inside to check on her in her room and finding her dead there, ah, uh, which is just heartbreaking because you can tell they were very close and were good friends. Uh I mean clearly they all everyone here knows that's just part of the deal when you're at Brightcliff <laughs> Brightcliff Hospice. Like right, it's what's gonna happen? That's why they're here. Honestly, I mean it's. That's the end road for everyone. Uh, So it's part of the whole thing, but it's still hard.
4: Absolutely.
3: It's it's never an easy thing to lose your friends. Uh, And so, you know, just to see her reactions there where it's, you know, she's not shocked. She's not in this like deep, deep mourning. It's just, but you can tell she's, she's sad. I mean, it's, there's an end of that little chapter there between them. And. Then what was really, really touching about it is Robert longstreet uh
4: oh man he,
3: he's kind of like the the housekeeper kind of guy, I guess you yeah. know takes care of of the rooms, and he is just so pleasant. That's the way I could describe him his words, his voice, his presence it's just warm and comforting uh which a little different from the last character we got from him a. You know, playing again, <laughs> thing. Mass. But, but I was gonna say, even in Midnight Mass, without spoiling things, even the troubled and complex character he played there was still kind of similar as far as like he was just had this presence of comfort to him, even though he had done some things and gone through some things in that show. You still just feel a warmth from that character, and you just want to sympathize with him, and you know. And, and so I really loved seeing him. I was I knew he was in this show, but I didn't know what capacity he would show up. Mm-hmm. And to see his character here and for that to be one of my favorite parts of the whole episode, even that's all we get is just this like little monologue of him and him talking about, you know, he quotes uh, Jim Morrison with the whole, you know, death being the end of pain. And that whole interaction that he had with Natsuki was beautiful. And I was just like, I want more of him so badly <laughs> please because yes. it was such a highlight of the episode it was just to feel the warmth from a character like that and so i like that it's interesting i like the array of kind of side characters and what they bring to the story uh yeah and then lastly just natsuki the last thing that she does it's all kind of things that take place right there in that room but then before we get to the midnight club meeting as she's walking past that now empty room there's the quick visual of Tristan sitting up in the bed and then she's Oof. gone. Mm-hmm. Which Natsuke notices it, and then so later at the Midnight Club, she's trying to decide you know, if it counts as a sign from the other side of Tristan's coming back to her, and eventually the group as a whole decides it's just not quite concrete
5: enough.
4: I I agree with everything that you said. I thought it was really because clearly
2: Natsuki was you know, really devoted to Tristan and, you know, it. you could tell she went there often, you know, to read to her and keep her company, knowing that she had to be in isolation. At least, you know, yes, they're all there for a common reason. They're all there because they're terminally ill, but they are all able to commune together. They can eat together. They have, you know, they share rooms and, you know, have therapy and things together. And. You know, it looks like since Tristan had gotten sicker and had to be more isolated, she was not able to. So Tristan, or sorry, Natsuki made an effort to visit Tristan. You know, and be like, you know, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm, you know, I'm going to come read you, and you're still, you know, special to me. And she makes that effort, and you know, it's just heartwarming because maybe not everyone would. You know, so I think that really speaks to Natsuki's character, and she has a really good heart. And it was so sad when, when. You know, she had died and she found her and she, you know, could just see how sad she was on her face. And she's like, I thought she was going to get better. Uh, I had even planned to, you know, decorate her side of the room, you know, for Mm -hmm. when she came back. And it's like, oh, man, you know, um, just heartbreaking. But I did love the uh, surprise appearance there by Robert Longstreet. I Again, mm-hmm. like you had heard, you know, because they t- like say, oh, these folks from the Flanniverse are coming back, you know, yeah. um, they'll be casting. Lincoln <laughs>
3: loves to ad- announce <laughs> casting before <Yes>. shows. Yeah. <laughs> he
2: does, which is is great because, you know, we all have our favorites from mm-hmm. our shows and he definitely stands out uh, yeah. from from all of them. Like you said, he's a very warm presence and i really love his voice he's got this like kind of gravelly like saw is gravelly but yet soft and warm at the same time yeah you know and so i really love his voice and he's he's just he seemed like a very comforting person in that moment mm-hmm. trying to comfort natsuki you know yeah. that like you were saying with that quote that he said was you know um death is just the end of pain i know i'm I'm not saying that um exactly but um so it's like you know it is sad that she's gone but you know she's not in pain um Mm -hmm. so it's it was a nice warm comforting presence i'm like you i hope we see him again because i think he is so fantastic he just he really has a
4: presence on screen and even in just this just few minutes uh really stood out You know. So, yeah, I hope, I hope we get more of him. Um, so, yeah, that was really great. I agree agree with what you said there. Uh, well, I'll just jump into um, Family Day. All right. So, I thought this was a neat
2: idea, but it looks like everyone there has a very different kind of situation. So, it was an interesting look at you know everyone's families and their dynamics and some folks that didn't have families um we were talking about Natsuki you know we we've learned that you know her father's gone he died in an ambush um with his military unit um and she i guess kind of gets to know him through the photos that her that her mom brings her um yeah. so I look forward to kind of hearing more about that, but she seems to know whatever she does know about her dad. And it sounds like maybe he died maybe before she was born. I don't know. Do you get that? I don't know. Was that explicitly know. said? Uh, um, Cause she did say uh, her dad loved the doors. Yeah. You know, like my, my dad loved them
3: or so it it's, feels like they might've had a relationship when she was really young, but it wasn't, but I'm, I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm not clear on it. I could be completely wrong. Um, I, I do certainly miss details. Um,
3: yeah, from time. I was to trying time. to like think in my brain real quick. I'm like, all right, he was at war, so kind of in the time frame of the year they're in versus like what war he would have been serving in or where he would have been. I, was I know because like, it's and I'm not sure.
2: Like ninety um, five, I thought we mm-hmm. were in ish yeah. anyway. So I'm I'm not sure, but either way, um, she um, at least. Seems to get to know her father more through, I guess, stories that her mother tells her and through these old photos. And she definitely feels that those photos are very important, especially like the last one, you know, which yeah. her doesn't seem to be her mother's favorite. Um,
3: yeah, it was the last photo that was taken of him. So it's the most recent, but because I think it, she said it's literally the day before the ambush or something. So it was yeah, the last photo it was taken by like another soldier on base or something, I guess.
4: Sad. Um, and then Amish, it,
2: that I thought was, you know, kind of sad. He did have some family there to visit him, but it was his aunt and uncle. And it, from what I, what I heard during their interaction was his parents had been deported Mm -hmm. back to India and they weren't sure if they were going to be able to get them back. Um, and I mean, they're, Oh, gosh,
3: even with their son in hospice care, they can't get asylum for him. Like,
2: say, I it's terrible. I know. I'm thinking that how freaking terrible that you know their son is in America and in hospice and they are half a world away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is able to try and call them, but man, calling in 1995, y'all, I don't know if y'all know the struggle, especially like international calling. Um, right, but. It sounds like that's the only way that he's able to communicate, and obviously there's a huge time difference right on the other side of the world there um so that I thought was really tragic and it I don't know i did you pick up at all that it looks like he's declining a little? He was slurring his words I did throughout I, the episode. Have
3: a, I have a note about that, but because my note is literally, I don't know if there was any purpose with a mesh saying, "Let's hear it," kind of slurred and weird, and then repeating himself clearer. I picked up on it, but I don't know if it means anything. And that was my note, but I did, I did catch it. That, okay. Yeah.
2: I I wasn't sure. I was like, am I hearing things? Um, or or you know, because sometimes I watch these, which I made the mistake of watching my first watch. This one very late at night. <laughs>
1: this, mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> this was the one. <laughs> I'll talk about it more later. Uh, That's probably scared me the most out of the um, three that we've seen so far. And I'm like, this was a dumb idea. Um, So being a little bit later at night, I might have been, you know, a little sleepy ish and. not picked up on on that but i was like so it you know it's like he, we know that he's terminally ill because he is in hospice but at the same time it looks like he's maybe declining a little bit yeah um, and he was
3: emphasizing a lot with his aunt and uncle like time is of the essence here basically like time is a factor you know that right like he seems to know something like he's probably not feeling
2: that's true
3: really great right now
2: that's true he would know better um than anyone how how he's feeling
4: um so be great to see maybe his parents be able to actually come and see him um, before
2: he gets too sick. Uh, and then we get Sherry. She actually doesn't get her parents um, actually there in the flesh. She gets soaps and a stuffed bear, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was sad in and of itself. She won't even come out of her room um to you know visit with everyone else and i get that i don't know that i would either i think i would just be way too shy i'm definitely not like Alonka, where i would just go up and hey how's it going you know i'm gonna be that i, I would mm-hmm. come for the food i'd come down and get some food and then i'd be right back up to
3: back to the room the- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> <laughs> i'm just here for the food and i'm i'm out of here um <laughs> i'm just way too shy and socially awkward for that but um but I thought that was really, you know, kind of sad. And I loved how, you know, how sweet, again, we get to see how sweet Mark is, right? Um, to remind her that, you know, she does have family there. And I love that he called her out on her lie about her great-grandfather inventing liquid yeah, soap.
3: <laughs> it, at this point, I'm just because she even laughs at it. Like, and I do not believe you. It's like, I guess her telling these tall tales is just a running gag that even she's into at this point. Like, she's just like. Whether they're true or not, whether anybody believes her or not, she is aware, and she's like, "But I'm going to go ahead and just hit them with some doozies anyway, just for my own enjoyment and pleasure, I guess."
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to think, and I don't know. We're only on the third episode, but I'm I'm starting to wonder if it's like like almost like a coping mechanism for her, mm-hmm. you know, maybe for her absent parents, maybe for her illness and being terminal. Could be so many things, but I'm like, maybe it's just a coping mechanism. Not that it's okay to lie or anything, but even she seems to, like you said, she was kind of laughing when he called her out on it. Um, But again, you know, Mark is super sweet and not getting enough of him either.
3: (laughs) Um, So he loves his fancy Italian soaps. (laughs) (laughs) Lemon
2: and lime. Um, (laughs) And then what was really, I thought um heartbreaking was the visit with with Spence's father because it oh, sounds my like that yeah yeah because well I mean you you had a, a you know a great point last week and maybe you'll touch on that again but um it sounds like most everyone has to travel a little bit to get there. Not everyone mm-hmm. is like super close, but it sounds like his parents and his family are pretty close because when his dad mentions oh, it's her birthday, and the, the, her church group's having this party for her, and, well, let's go, I'll go surprise her. It sounds like they could just hop in the car and go, whereas maybe that's not yeah. the advantage for everyone. So that makes it, I think, even more sad, because it sounds like maybe his parents don't come to see him very often um, when mm-hmm. they do have the ability to, you know, you know, because travel's not easy, especially depending on, you know, what you're... Um, you know, financial situation and things like that. It's not always um, easy just to hop in a car and travel and, you know, you've got all that cost and stuff, but if you're close, well, what's your excuse, you know, that you can't see your child. And to hear that um, it sounds like his mother might have some shame around his
4: diagnosis,
3: mm-hmm. which so, yes, it seems it seems like she fakes not feeling well every time it comes around that he she's supposed to visit him and she just yeah too much shame or you know whatever she holds against him that she's like not going to go and that's really sad and awful
2: <laughs> it is sad and awful i cannot imagine uh you know not seeing y- your child when right, when they're it, ill
3: when he mentions you know oh we could oh the, there's a party for her we could surprise her and you can tell kind of the underlying message of what his dad's saying there was probably not going to go as well as you think it's like, because your mother will probably be embarrassed of you around her good Christian church friends, you know, Mm -hmm. like I definitely just awful
2: got the hint of what he was laying out.
3: Mm
4: -hmm. Um, so that, that was like you said, awful. Uh, but then it was, um,
2: We also got Kevin, which I won't talk too much about because I know we've got a lot of Kevin to talk about, I think. (laughs) Um, But I did think it was
4: interesting that we got a little bit of insight to Kevin and his family dynamics. And sounds like, I don't know, his father must have done something, I guess, give the family a bad name.
2: They... Put Kevin sounds like on a pedestal. Think he's perfect. He's he doesn't think he's perfect, and sounds mm-hmm. like he doesn't feel like living up to that. And that his mother puts that on his little brother, um, wanting him to carry on his legacy, whether he wants to or not. Um, right. So <laughs> that sounds awful. And I'm I'm curious too. I was kind of wondering, uh, had like some of the same questions Alonka did. Um, why he never mentioned anything about a girlfriend. You know, he, Mm -hmm. him and Alonka seem to have gotten closer. Those two than any um, anyone, or at least Alonka and any of the other kids. She's gotten closer to Kevin. You know, with um, their bonding time and the time that they've spent together. He never once seemed to mention. Uh, a girlfriend, and they've had some flirty, fr- flirty, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, times there. Why did he never mention
3: that? I'm, I'm wondering It just, I have some thoughts about that, but that is for a okay. later point. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> some Good. of my, you know, I, I I'll, spoiler alert for people, I'm doing what I did last week. One of my points, maybe my last, I don't know, just whenever I get around to it, is like I did last week, is just the story with the title of the story. You know, our, our Midnight Club story. Okay, kind of trying to break down meanings and figure things out. So good. It's all within there. I'm this one. I feel like I had to stretch out on some. You know, go out on some limbs and stretch for some straws in places. But that's I've got
2: okay. <laughs> well, that's all we can do at this point because I still feel right? like everything's kind of in the air. We don't really know anything yet. Um, and again, he's very mysterious. So, so I liked. I liked the family day stuff. I thought that was yeah. cool. And I think it gave us some interesting insight into the kids and their families besides what they just tell us, you know, or what they decide to share. We actually get to see that interaction because that really brings to
4: light some things. Um, so thought that was, thought it was nice. So yeah. what's your next point?
3: Um, I had that as one of my points as well. So I'll just kind of, finish that up or add to it a Excellent. little bit uh with family day which i threw in some of my thoughts just kind of while we were talking through it uh but then i've got a couple others that i just enjoyed about that i uh, like finding out that it's family day i like the interaction pretty early on with uh, anya and <laughs> alanka alanka still so giving funny. it to anya uh i feel it's fair she's she's got plenty she can dish back but you know that way she's like i could be a bit of a bitch on weekdays <laughs> <laughs> family day uh But then I like how Alonka follows that kind of dig up with really heartwarming stuff. Uh, You know, there's mentions, you know, is your your foster dad coming? And he's like, yeah, I told him all about you. Just told him all about your bitch roommate. Well, it's good to vent. She goes, no, I told him you're the toughest person I've ever met. And I was like,
2: oh. I know.
4: Yeah. That was good.
3: (laughs) It It was really sweet. And then we see that Tim had met Anya separately before Alonka had caught up to them on it. And, and she was perfectly pleasant and hilarious with him. And I was like, that's really cool. Uh, and then later, Tim's really worried about Alonka obsessing over the numbers and Julia Jane stuff. She, I feel like she's let him in at least to some of what was going on. And Tim's just like, Oh God, are you okay? Like with <laughs> yeah. you having a mental breakdown? Um, and I like that Anya kind of steps in and, says, you know, the situation of this place can take a mental toll on people. And but we, as the patients here, you know, we look out for each other and we take care of each other and keep each other grounded. And I feel like this might be a turning of a page of Anya really starting to look as at Alanka as a friend at this point. I think things really are connecting between them. I like that. I hope I hope Anya's not just putting on this like <laughs> like mask for Tim and Family Day and then next week is going to be Alonka, I still hate you, but you know. Uh. Yeah,
2: i i I feel I, I feel the same. I feel like there's a little bit of ice breaking there, and mm-hmm. she's kind of you know cracking uh, that wall that Anya has put up. And uh, so I have I have good feelings about that. I feel like they'll probably still rip each other as good friends tend oh, yeah. to do. But yeah. um, you
3: know, I need my Anya quips anyway. I need I need that fix. So give it to me totally. <laughs> Yeah, I had like a breakdown. of, like the different families, but I think we've talked pretty much about that. Uh, Sandra, we saw a little bit, like the little bit she's praying with her parents. I was like, and her parents are also extremely religious. I Was like that tracks, makes sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of that family dynamic there, uh, which is then is interesting. I, I then it leaves me with questions. Like, what? How did some of these kids end up here? Why is she not at home with her family? Why are they still not trying to go through all this? Like bringing in all kinds of healers and like people to pray over her and intercessory prayer. I know that term. Yes. Um, (laughs) Lived that life a long time. Yeah. But, um, you know, so then it's, it's curious to be like, you know, some of these family dynamics, like why aren't they still at home? Like Kevin, like why is he not still with (laughs) his his family? They seem to like, want to like have this picture perfect, you know, thing that people see. So for them to send him away where like, the view that people would maybe have on the family. It's surprising that his mom would do that. So it does that's, make me question things.
2: That's a really good question. I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, I mean, and I mean, Alanka has Tim, but Tim is her foster parent. Mm-hmm. Um, Anya's alone. Um, Sherry, I mean, she has parents,
3: but it sounds like clearly they're, somebody they're- with a lot of money is providing for her but.
2: right yeah so but she's alone no one's coming to visit <laughs> mm-hmm. her doesn't like anyone's really making much of an effort um but someone is providing for her and giving her things but
4: for the kids who do 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 have family why i wondered what was it about that place like that see, yeah you know
2: why aren't they with their families why aren't they right. more in a maybe in a local hospice or an at-home hospice or mm-hmm. You know, something like that. Why Why away from their family, I wonder?
3: Yeah, and there's certain ones I can make assumptions about, at least. We of still course. don't know a lot. But, I mean, like, with Spence, I'm sure that's probably a not great situation. I mean, his mom probably wants to push him out. Ugh. Uh, but then, like, Natsuke, for instance, maybe, I mean, again, just making assumptions, but we see, I mean, single mother, maybe financially, this was the best thing for her instead of trying to pay the medical bills. and. Keep her at home or somewhere else. This place is fully funded, so it's easy That's for her true. To, to do that.
2: Yeah, maybe the fully funded part—they're able to get. I'm assuming fully funded includes their meds.
1: Mm-hmm. They
2: get medical care if they need it. Um, yeah, but yeah, maybe maybe that plays a factor in it too. That's a good point.
3: Yeah, just financially for some of these families, perhaps.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, but then other ones, like mainly, I think right now, like Sandra and kevin i'm still like how did they end up here
4: yeah Uh, (laughs) i hope i hope we explore that a little bit more
3: yeah um let's see any more Uh, just the scene alonka thinking that Catherine was kevin's sister uh was really awkward uh (laughs) which kevin later says oh it was totally cool she's cool with it but Like, yeah, rough moment for Alonka, like foot in mouth and we're going to leave now. Um. Oh,
2: I felt for her. I'm like, God, how many times have I done that? Maybe not that exact same situation, but yeah, like you just say all the wrong things. It's like, I'm out of (laughs)
0: here. Sorry.
3: Yeah. Uh, And then the last thing that I had on that note was uh, just at the end of family day, as all the cars are leaving, all the families are driving away and all the, not all, but most of the kids are sitting out on the porch, kind of waving them off. Uh Uh-huh. couldn't help but notice how Kevin, Kevin? is centered and <laughs> circled by the statue. The statue yes. And I was like, maybe it's just because he's the central focus of this episode, or is it hinting at something deeper that I have no idea what that could be right now? <laughs> I uh, <Yeah>. It seems... <laughs> but I can't help but notice things like that.
2: <laughs> I know. I have that in my notes, too. What was that? <laughs> and I feel... We'll talk more about it, I know. We've got, I think, a lot of Kevin to talk about, but I'm like, we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah,
3: <laughs> to reference a whole different movie. Uh, no. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm glad you noticed that
2: too. I liked seeing all the kids on the porch, but yeah, right there in that center, um, was Kevin, and yeah. I don't know, like you said, if there's more to it or just because he's it's a, a Kevin centric um,
4: episode. I'm glad you noticed that too. That was mm-hmm. that was a good one. Okay. Yeah. Was that all? All that you had? I, for your point? I think
3: that's yep. All okay. I've got to kind of wrap up. Yeah, family day was interesting. Kind of came out of nowhere early on, but I enjoyed it. There's a lot of insight that I think was really helpful or really cool to see. But it did leave me still questioning some things. Like, okay, but now I'm extra curious about these family dynamics <laughs> in some of these cases.
2: I'm definitely curious about the family dynamics. I think you raised a really good question about you know how, what were the circumstances that led the kids there? You know what? What was it about
4: it that they chose that? Um, so I hope we get more of that. Um, so I think think that was some really good points. Well, I just want to go ahead if it's okay because I don't know where where
2: yours is at on your list, but I just want to talk about Kevin. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we need to talk about.
2: Kevin. I can't. I just. <laughs> I'm, I'm chopping at the uh, bit. I want to talk about that. Kevin. Would be
3: that would be my next point anyway. So okay. perfect. So
2: well, I, I feel like you're probably going to have way, like, more articulated uh, comments than what I will, and and because I'm, I don't know what to think, and it's not so much about his, uh, not just his like ghost story that he decided to tell. There are obviously parts of that I think that. Um, I'll touch on, but it's specifically just about Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we mentioned the um, when the kids are on the porch when the families were leaving and he was circled by the statue. I wonder though if it's a little bit more red herring uh, because I yeah. feel like there were things in this episode that were maybe just too obvious, you know. And it's like, well, they're they're wanting us mm-hmm. to think that, so but I can't help it. I really. I don't know that I felt creepy vibes, because I know you mentioned it last week. You were like, oh, I'm seeing these comments that people are like getting these creepy vi- vibes from Kevin. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm getting creepy vibes, but I'm definitely feeling something about him. Yeah. And this episode just really like, put a <laughs> glaring light on it for yeah. me. Um, when he and Alonka are talking in her room after family day, and she's up in her room analyzing all of her things um from um julia jane's uh file and she he's like you know because he's talking about like how his family just thinks he's so perfect it's like i'm not perfect i've gotten detention you know before Mm -hmm. and she's just like oh well you're a real monster kevin and he just looks at her and says maybe i am
4: yeah i'm just like
2: (laughs) okay this is either either it's all there or it means nothing and it's a red herring but i'm just like yeah. you know they're really putting it out there um it's
3: funny that yeah because I, I feel the same way with with him on a lot of this stuff is i feel like so many things that he says or does in this episode are kind of like lead you to think like oh he knows more than he's letting on he's tied into something that there's he knows all these secrets and he's hiding things and he's that and then yeah i'm on the same side where i'm like but i still feel i was like yeah there's a lot of creepy coincidences but i'm still team kevin i was like i think him being like a dark character or a big twist. a might be a red herring they're wanting to lead people into thinking those things
1: mm-hmm.
3: i was like now watch me be super wrong and i'm just blinded by his charm but uh that's <laughs> well, right now unless they give me something clear to change my mind he's my boy i'm trusting him
2: <laughs> and look no no shade on kevin from my end at all <laughs> because i do really like his character but they're they're definitely you know just some vibes last week that I'm just like, I don't know what to think about you. Yeah, you are a mystery. And mm-hmm. he still is a mystery to me. Well, and honestly, a lot of the kids are, but they they do focus a lot on Kevin because he and Alonka seem to be, you know, closer. And, you know, I feel like this it's the story, it's not just her story, but they, you know, it's kind of centric around her um mm-hmm. and her obsession and you know, it started with her, so they they seem to um have a real connection. So we just I think get more of Kevin um than than many of the others. When he was telling his ghost story, they ended the story where Dusty was telling Sheila it's probably nothing. I'm sure it's fine. Uh he did the same thing to Alonka in the elevator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they were talking about that symbol. And they kept showing they keep showing him Uh, In the beginning of the episode, he's like always behind Alanka, Mm -hmm. you know, and in the beginning, he was um, like focused on her and the background was like all blurred out. So you could just kind of make out his shape before it kind of focused in kind of the same thing when uh, they were in the elevator. You Mm -hmm. know, he kind of backs up and then she gets off the elevator and he's like in the background there. Just. I don't know. They keep putting it out there, and it seems so obvious, (laughs) and I can't figure it out. And then, of course, his story, his ghost story, which was really good. You know, I was definitely intrigued and kind of horrified. It was kind of scary. I mean, when he hit... uh, uh, Oh, shoot. What was the girl's name that he killed? Nancy? Nancy? Yes, thank you. Um, Had to think about that. It's confusing because I'm seeing her as his girlfriend, but the girl he kills in the story. I love yeah. that, they, that they're using the same characters in like different roles in the ghost stories, but it totally mm-hmm. like messes with me on the names. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm bad with names anyway. So now they're like throwing out like two, three names for, for these characters. Um, right. But I thought that was really horrifying when, you know, he is standing over her in bed and she wakes up in just enough time to see him. And he covers her face with a towel and just smashes her head with a hammer. I jumped. Not out of like, oh, that was scary so much, it was more like, oh my God, it
3: was like <laughs> I was <laughs> very visceral and sudden. Yeah, yeah, I was like,
2: I was not expecting that. It was so just the brutality of of the act yeah. itself. And, you know, you look at Kevin and or dusty i know he's a character in this story but you know he's got the face of kevin that we like and who is so charming and i guess he's could be charming in the ghost story too uh, but i'm just like oh god to see him do something so violent just was jarring and i think that probably plays a little bit into the brilliance of having uh these characters uh uh using the same characters in the ghost stories you know letting them kind of play something a little bit different. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of get to know them as this character, like their main character, but then you see them play someone in the, in the, the ghost story. I, I really like that effect because it certainly had an effect on me seeing Kevin in such a, you know, he, he's basically a freaking serial killer. Um, and he, after he's told the story, he's, you know, he says, you know, well, we all have to have something to draw from.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like, here we go again. Dude, he just—I don't know if it's just his his energy, but he just—he doesn't seem to be really that surprised by anything Alonka tells him. You know, when she's presenting him with these things and these symbols and all of these things, he's just like, you know, whatever, man. You know, it's probably nothing. You know, um so I don't know. I feel like he probably knows a little bit more than what he's letting on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, but I—I I don't know. I. I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of just all over the place. I don't really have a very good definitive point. I'm just intrigued and definitely getting some vibes, but I do also feel like it could be a little bit of a red herring. So I know Kevin is um, obviously probably one of your
3: big points. So please
2: go ahead and jump in. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I I don't have a whole lot because I have, I have his story as a separate point. Okay. So so kind of just talking about other things with, with Kevin that are, are, you know, we saw, and I, I did mention some of it earlier, so just kind of probably a short tack on to uh, again. But uh, yeah, the, the you know, you're a real monster. Maybe I am. Was very ominous. I'm like, are they just leading to the story? Because he kind of is thinking of the story he's going to tell mm-hmm. already. Maybe. You know, because um, I don't think it's like very surface level. Like if they're leading, you'd be like, oh, Kevin's something is really off with Kevin. I think like, again, I like the red herring thing. Like you said, I, I think the same thing where. If they're leaning so hard into something's up with Kevin, then I think maybe nothing is up with Kevin. They just want to like throw us off, because uh, he he has a creepiness to him in some instances, but only in the context of like knowing what else is going on. Otherwise, you just be like, yeah, he's just like he's got a, a you know kind of dark sense of humor a little bit, uh, <laughs> but you kind of have to. Again, we've talked about that here Um for sure. Yeah, uh, and then when we get, you know, the elevator, he seems genuinely surprised to me about the whole sub basement level thing. He's like, "What the fuck?" I, I felt that was real. <laughs> like, I did feel was, that was real. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's just a good care, a uh, good actor like Dusty. No, uh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I saw you know, again with the the TV time comment stuff just on the episode. People were like, "Oh my god, he purposely." set the elevator back up. He's leaving Alonka down there. I was like, he was on the whole other side of that elevator. You see that thing moving and he jumps. and He's like, Oh God, what's going on? I was like, no, I'm not buying that. He's, he had nothing to do with that. Um, I think his like weirdness about the There's nothing down there. And she's like hitting the button and stuff. Mm-hmm. He might be scared. Uh, if I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on those things, it's like, he's just probably not interested in uncovering any creepy secrets. He's like, okay, whatever. And that's, that's kind of another thing I'm reading into it is like, okay, you're finding all this, you're putting these pieces together, there's this creepy cult thing and this symbol and this, this. He's like you have at that, but I don't want any part of it. That's creepy and I don't don't include me, please. That could just be as simple as that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
3: Maybe, you know, maybe he he doesn't want to uncover secrets maybe he's keeping secrets. Could go either way. But
4: uh Mm. Like his character yeah, Yeah.
3: I feel like there is something that he's
4: hiding
5: but I just don't think it's anything dark
2: right mm.
3: uh
4: yeah good possibility
3: because it, it's the line that as he's telling his story because we get that little cut in the story because the apparently he he returns to the c- serial killer story well often because the smiley face becoming the calling card gets called out it's like hey, you've done that before so he has to change it to the hourglass thing um but in that little break, then you know he's talking about. He goes this this line. He says, "Hell is everybody knowing." And I was I was really curious about that line. I was like, maybe there is another secret that he's keeping that we don't know about, but it might not be something that we expect in any form. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh,
4: that's true. I mean he he seems to really be weighed down by those unrealistic expectations
2: that are placed on him
4: right. and
2: you know this like i was saying you know his family thinking of him as like this perfect son perfect student perfect boyfriend and this pressure that he's under um but maybe he is hiding something like i'm not and i mean it's probably i mean no one should really think that they're perfect obviously but you know he he really seems to be very uncomfortable with with that, with people thinking of yeah. him that way. So why? What is it that he's done that makes him not there, perfect? What's he right. hiding? There's
3: probably some secret that he's holding, that something he did or something about him or something he feels guilty about mm-hmm. that he's keeping to himself. And so then when you're seeing, oh, he's holding secrets and he's being real shady, I think it's just the weight of whatever that is that's probably completely unrelated and irrelevant to anything going on right like house, he's not you know? really just-
2: he, he's not really smashing people uh in the, in the head with hammers it could just be <laughs> something you know um hopefully way less terrible but but yeah he seems to yeah. to definitely be very uncomfortable with that and Maybe having the attitude of, well, if you knew what I did, then you wouldn't think I'm so damn perfect, you know, is, mm-hmm. but he, he doesn't want to say that, but that's almost like the vibe that I get because he seems to, yeah. you know, try to keep the conversation moving, like with his family and, you know, like asking his brother, like, was well, that, was that what you want to do? And then just moving on to the prom I love thing. that
3: question, by the way. Yeah. I love that for his like for him and his little brother's relationship mm-hmm. for even with his mom sitting right there to be like. Do you want to do that, or did you want to be in the school play? Because you live, I want high school to be your journey, not mine. Yeah, and I love that he's just like, "What do you want to do?" Because little brother, do that. Like you know,
2: (laughs) exactly. I thought that was really great, big brother behavior, and Mm -hmm. I hope, I hope his little brother takes his advice and does what he wants to do. Because if anyone knows how short life is, it would be Kevin. And you should live the life that you want now clearly he's um in high school and a minor so you can't just do anything that you want but you know
3: <laughs> if, within,
2: you wanna, within, if, if you want to if you want to be yeah. in the damn school play then you should you
4: should go do that not uh track so uh, is is my point <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
5: but yeah um i think that
3: might yeah be all that i have outside of his story. Well, I'll get to.
2: Okay. Well, um, if you want to go ahead to your next point, I know you were just adding
4: to what I said. If you want to go on to your next point, feel free.
3: Um, right. Should we go into the story, or I've got another separate
4: point. Hey, it's all all you, bud.
3: Where do we want to Whatever you want to talk about. No, let's just do it. Let's talk. Let's keep the Kevin train rolling for a little bit. Alright. The Wicked Heart. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, again, short version of the story, a serial killer, high schooler, becomes friends with a girl who won't let the disappearance of her friend as a crime go, really pressing in on Dusty, since he's the one that killed her, and he's haunted by the ghosts of all of his victims. It seems that killing someone stops them for a time, but it just adds another face to the torture when they come back. Uh- <laughs> That's creepy. Yes. So, little things I noticed. Uh, I think in episode one, Kevin said he did go to Roosevelt High School. I think he's using the actual name of his high school in that story. I
2: thought so. I didn't go back and look, but I was like, I think that's Mm -hmm.
4: what he said.
3: I think so. Uh, The fact that his girlfriend is the face of the character that he kills in the story. It's a little interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's some uh, hidden meaning in there. So, with that, here is my attempt I'm trying to read into the story he's telling. So, uh, <clears throat> again, this one, I had—I felt like I had to go out on a few more limbs and, and grasp at a few more straws. But I'm ready to hear it. Okay, so, is Kevin a serial killer? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Does he want to kill people? No. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, however, I think his mother, the version we get of his mother in this story, could represent her silent judgment. Where, yeah, he's so perfect but she's always expecting more. She's so hung up on legacy and perfection that her image of him is who he has to be. Uh, He says, you know, she stops talking, but she is always listening. Um, And he has that moment after he kills Nancy, he comes back. He's like, I just want you to be proud of me. You know, now leave me alone. There's this, (laughs) you know, this, this silent judgment of just like, yeah, she'll tell all of her friends and all of their acquaintances and everybody else. Mo, well, my perfect son, my amazing son. But deep down, I think that's covered by she's always expecting more and more and more from him. And any little thing is never going to be good enough because he's always he should be perfect. Not good enough, you know. Mm. Um, so I think that's kind of what his mother in that story could have been. And then I think. You know, all of the people he could have been. The things he could have done is kind of similar to Anya. I was kind of still thinking in that vein of mourning and grieving the lives that you don't have because you chose to do other things instead. You know, he had to kill those other lives that he could have lived to be the perfect image that his mother expected. He had to kind of kill those Kevins, kill those people. Uh, And now that he has this terminal illness, he's kind of resenting his mother for it. But then also, you know, because his whole life is living in her shadow. Or you know, living and who in being who she thought that he was and wanted him to be, so he's ha- he's had to murder all of these innocent Kevin's that were alone in his thoughts, and now with his own death around the corner, all these dead but not dead other lives that he never lived, the things he didn't do, the ex- things he didn't, they're haunting him now, because he's like, huh. you know, I spent so much time being the track star and the perfect grades and this and this and this, when really I missed out on being that Kevin or I missed out on being that Kevin or, you know, and so mm-hmm. I had to kill those and set them aside. And now that my life is coming to a very, you know, young end. Now I'm kind of haunted by like, Oh, I never got to do that. And never, and I'll never get to do this. And I'll never get to do that. Um, and then the part of the story about him trying to keep Sheila, which <laughs> stand in quite literally physically for Alanka, mm-hmm. uh, He's trying to keep her from, like, pursuing these questions to find out his dark secret. Uh, I have two trains of thought here. Uh, Either one, it's very on the nose, and he knows more than we think, and he's tied into all this culty weirdness, and he knows about the symbols and the underground cult meeting room and all of this. Uh, And then this story he's telling maybe has some undertones to Alonka. He's trying to, like, slip some, like, you know, messages to Alonka through the story of, like, you know, maybe pursuing your questions and... You know, uh, keep listening to those voices in your head, and it's going to end up bad for you. You know, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's either something as dark as that, or that's a misdirect. And I had thought this is again where I'm really reaching, because <laughs> you you you're, you're questioning why does he never mention a girlfriend? Maybe he kind of has a crush on Alanka and sees there he feels this connection between them but he's not going to say anything. And he fears getting to know her or her getting to know him too much and leading to closeness between them. Cause then he's going to feel guilty about his girlfriend that they're sticking it out until he's dead. Basically just is the most, <laughs> you know, right. Blunt way of putting it is like, you know, they're not going to break up because she doesn't want to break up with a dying kid and <laughs> he doesn't want to leave her, you know? And so it feels like, almost like his whole life and legacy and the perfect son, the perfect boyfriend is even just a facade that he's just playing the role until he doesn't have to anymore. And so there's this guilt associated. Well, I I can't let Alanka too close. So it could also just be, I don't want to get tied up in all of her schemes because the more time we spend together, the more I'm going to fall for her. And I can't do that to myself, to my family, to that pressure is still on him. So it's just him having to kill one more possible life to keep things civil and what his family expects for the time he has left.
5: Wow.
2: You went deep. <laughs> yeah,
3: I tried wow. to like really pull apart <laughs> these things. It's like, what's the most like insane thing I can come up with for all of it? <laughs> uh, well,
2: I don't think it was insane by any means, but wow, that was <laughs> way deeper than, you know, where I kind of went with it, which you know i really like and you know well i mean i mean it would make sense you know we just had the last episode where they had their group therapy and they were having those um discussions about you know what they grieve you know for mm-hmm. what they're going to miss out on and i think that yeah you know would definitely make sense to kind of tie into you know kind of a you know killing different versions of himself because who knows what he could do or what he could be in life if not for his terminal illness you know he's his life being cut so short um you know and especially at such a young age before you've even finished high school or had a chance to go off to college i'm assuming they're all around about the same age uh you know teenagers ish right um as far as i wouldn't be
3: surprised if his victims in his story and this kind of you know they are all girls I wouldn't be surprised if Catherine, his girlfriend, is the 1st gang-only girlfriend he's ever had. Yeah. And so he's thinking, like, so in his story, in this kind of fantasy, he's chatting with all these different girls online and luring them in. it's like, because he, he could have dated and interacted with so many different people. And mm-hmm. this is just kind of all he's got and all he will have. You know?
2: <laughs> That's true. I like how, you know, because I, I feel like you can probably take that story and... You know there could be so many different perspectives uh, of that when you look at what we either know or have learned about Kevin so far or what honestly maybe what we haven't learned honestly because I do feel yeah. like he is quite <laughs> still a mystery, but you know just how he acts and behaves in his energy and the vibes and his interaction with his family and then you get this story I think there's so many different um you know interpretations that one can take from that I really i I like. Your version for sure. Um, Because I don't, I don't, I wasn't quite sure. I knew,
3: I know I talked. It took me a while to come to that. Like, literally, after
4: first watch. I hope so,
2: because wow. After first
3: watch, I was literally like, I have no idea. And it literally came to me like, over the weekend, like the past couple of days, like at work or just like in like downtime, I would like sit and just like pondering what that. What was that story? I was like, <laughs> what was he? I was like, we're recording in a few days. And I he was like, I've got to figure this out. The pressure. And so I kind of came up with some ideas and then while watch rewatching a second time today, I was like kind of putting those thoughts to what I was seeing and I was like, okay. I could be way off the wall, but I think I have something
2: here. <laughs> yeah. I I I really like that. I I think that's as good of an interpretation. Um, is what I I would have come up with. I really didn't. I just, I think that there was definitely a version of himself in that story, you know, when he was mm-hmm. describing Dusty, you know, he wasn't really describing him um, as like perfect, but he's like, oh, perfectly like normal or perfectly, um, you know, kind of generic, you know, he was yeah. smart, but not too smart. And, uh, you know, he, he did things but he didn't like volunteer athletic would always
3: be string or whatever right so
2: you know just enough to like not be noticed which i mean would make sense if you're a serial killer you definitely don't want to draw attention to yourself you don't want to stand out in the crowd you just want to kind of blend you know and that's you know kind of you know what he he did uh so yeah, and I don't think that his, you know him being a serial killer in the story means that he wants to do those things. I don't think that by uh, his girlfriend playing that girl Nancy and him killing her, I don't think he wants to kill his girlfriend
3: um, no. or anything like
2: that. But um, but I definitely like that interpretation. I definitely but and I didn't probably wonders about pipes. killing
3: that relationship and but he can't.
2: You know? Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I was, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense because I was curious. I was like, well, why didn't he just say something? Why didn't he just tell Alonka about her or whatever? Um, yeah. But maybe that's the whole I'm not perfect, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. He he probably should have maybe said something, but he
4: didn't. So kind of says, yeah, he's not perfect because he, he should have said something.
2: That's right.
4: really interesting. Food for thought. Yeah.
2: I'm going to to then- chew on that for a little while.
3: I only have one other thought about his story that's completely just off from that Mm -hmm. tangent just because it's the funniest thing and I cracked up so hard because we got to have a good Anya moment. Uh, Of course is is sandra going oh no and they're like no don't fall for the the broody boy you know thing (laughs) and sandra goes oh he's think. she's thinking with her hoo-ha and anya i mean her what (laughs) like just and then later in the story kevin goes but sheila was driving north and anya butts in her hoo-ha was driving north (laughs) and Oh, I cracked up so hard.
2: That was really funny. I don't know if that term was around in those times. I know they kind of play fast and loose with right. slang and and verbiage, but uh, uh,
4: yeah, that was really funny.
3: Yeah that 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 made me laugh pretty hard. I was like, just I was like, I'm so glad. And you know, the heaviness of the kind of that story and me trying to piece together what it all means. I get Anya to break the tension with something hilarious. I was like, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs>
2: yeah, that was great. Um, I I thought it was interesting that, and I mean, I know he said it was, uh, as he calls it, only half baked his story. Mm-hmm. Like it, he didn't feel, I guess it was it was finished, but he thought he'd try it out on them. But he left it to be continued. So I hope that mm-hmm. we get the rest of the story. I'd really like to see how it ends, especially that would be great. yeah, especially since how in the story. Because I want to see how it plays out. I thought it was really good that you know, um, you know, Sheila was like, "Well, you have to help me." You know, I, I want you to help mm-hmm. me uh, figure out what happened. So I like that he kind of left it in the air. And um, did you notice uh, when the, he, start, he when he started the story and we see Dusty standing at his locker, he's um, grabbing some books. One of the books that he pulls out of his locker is Stephen King's The Gunslinger.
3: Ooh. Yeah,
2: so he has good taste in books. uh, This dusty character. Um, So I thought he's a
3: big Zeppelin fan. He had the Led Zeppelin sticker in his locker and his username on that Einstein chat or whatever was just like Led Zeppelin or something.
2: Right. Yeah. Clearly a Zeppelin fan. So (laughs) yeah, and he had an Evil Dead poster on his wall.
3: Yes. Like that
2: again. All good stuff. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I thought it was a really interesting story. So I was trying to figure out. You know what? What what parts of Kevin were in that story, and
4: what was he trying to tell us? And I really like your interpretation. That was really good. Um. Well, I want to talk about Alonka a little bit. Um. I have some kind of shorter um notes here. So she's still, you know, very much into this file, um, that she has that she's gotten from. Uh, Dr. Stanton's office, Julia Jane's um, office, and she's trying to put all these like pieces together. And
2: she's going through, and she sees in her art therapy these drawings that have this number 292.13, and it's just repeated throughout, and then she's also seeing that hourglass-like uh, shape. And I was wondering... Because they made a big deal about the library in the first episode there at um, the hospice. And, I mean, I'm a big library nerd myself, or at least back in the day I was. I can't say I'm Mm -hmm. there as often. But, you know, I grew up in those days when you didn't have a computer to look up the books. You had to use the card catalog. Um,
3: Does that sound like a Dewey decimal number to you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not very versed in it. it,
2: (laughs) It does sound like a Dewey decimal library number
4: 292.13 and I even looked it up uh, 292 um, is classical Greek Roman religion hmm. and in the last episode when Ilanka met Shasta
2: she had a mm-hmm. fascination with like Greek, Greek. yeah in Roman histories and religions. You know, she had a fascination with names, like, oh this is, you know, like um the origins of names. Oh, this is what your name means. And oh well I just have a you know, a thing for,
4: you know, you know, Greek histories and um so why did that get by Alonka? You know, she is extremely
3: smart. Yeah. <laughs> and See I, I missed out on that because that I I, I- <laughs> uh, sadly and I am not a library person, and so I wouldn't have known that. But yeah, as soon as you started talking about, that, I was like, "Yeah, no, it could be." And then, like, but you would think Alonka would pick up on
2: that. Well, and maybe I don't know. I'm gonna try and give her the benefit of the doubt that because it's so in her face, you know, that it's sometimes so obvious that you don't see it, you should be able to figure it out. But because you're just so in it, you don't, you can't see outside of it or whatever mm-hmm. is what it, so I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt but when they were showing the numbers on uh, that art therapy as she's looking at it and it's kind of focusing on the numbers it then the screen cuts and shows the library uh-huh. and then when they're talking about it like when Tim's there for family day and um he and Alonka and Anya are in the library as she's yeah. talking about that those numbers and he's like oh could it be you know latitude longitude and and I'm like, huh, you're right here. <laughs> look around. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, I'll admit I didn't the answer
3: could be closer than you think. Yeah.
2: It, it took me the uh. second watch before I, it started to click with me. I didn't. Um, Cause again, I was I'm probably watching it too late of night and I was really kind of spooked more by the episode mm-hmm. than what I was able to really kind of pick it apart a little bit. Um, but I'm like, yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, so I don't know. And it may not be, but um, again, um, she met with Shasta. There's that weird connection and her fascination with Greek, Greek things, Greek histories, names. That um, Dewey Decimal, when you look it up, um, for library card catalogs, 292 is for classical Greek and Roman religion. Um, so I don't know. Feels like there's something there. Um and then that hourglass shape obviously I still don't have a clue as to what that is but it being yeah. in the drawings it's uh out on some tr- well at least one tree that we know of and
4: now it's uh on the elevator so mm-hmm. w- weird um so I don't know um I hope she figures it out soon cuz I I want to know what the hell it's all about
3: yeah well that's, that's my last point as well is oh, <laughs> the well, mysteries of the Lanka. So yeah. Let's perfect. go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a lot of it ties again. She's, she's talking with Kevin about those things and he first is kind of writing it off as just medication side effects, which is upsetting her a little more. Sure. Uh, you know, it's just like, really? Come on. Uh, and again, like I mentioned earlier on his point, I think it could just be, he's like, I, don't get me involved. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got enough to think about. Um, but yeah, but she's really starting to worry and it's not just the things that she's thinking about, but the I mean, she, things she's seeing. I mean, she has this nightmare and like vision whatever early on uh where you know there's this bunch of cloaked figures that are kind of like this cult whatever the paragon I mean she, we keep hearing about that and she's talked about that. Uh and at least the leader has that hourglass symbol like tattooed on their wrist. And they're all traveling through the halls toward the elevator, and then we get that great classic like horror visual of you know her making this little sound, and they all stop, and then one of them appears behind her with like a camera angle switch reveal. And I was like, oh, I love it so
2: much! It's it's, so cool. Gosh, I had all the regrets watching this late at night in the dark. <laughs> I really, I had to watch something like very happy and cheerful after all of that. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that one who I assume is the leader, you know, has like these shadow hands emerging from under the hood and grabbing at her. Uh which is, and then so then you think it's like, man, she should they were headed towards the elevator. Mm-hmm. Clearly she should have thought about that one earlier too. Uh yeah, but that hourglass symbol. So again, this is the tattoo. She saw it on the trees. It's on the elevator, and even when they go down, it's big, like on the floor in that like meeting hall. Which again, we've talked about. She's talked about like there was a cult that was like set up here. So yeah, it seems that that very clearly should line up with that. That seems what that's what that is. Um, but to see kind of how what it all means and
5: how it connects, I'm interested.
3: Uh, and that yeah, that Julia Jane was very obsessed with it, and then also this number, which I like. What you brought to because I had no idea about that number. So now that you've mentioned the whole Dewey Decimal and you know card catalog I'm like oh my god that's really good stuff um, and then, of course when she goes down there and then the elevator goes back up and leaves her down there we'll just end the episode one more time with that creepy old dead lady cause it's just for fun at this point right why not um- <laughs> why not why not just have her show that ugh yeah <laughs> stick to it
4: <laughs> I don't know why I expected anything different
5: <laughs> ugh but yeah, that's
3: really all I had to say about that. It was just, yeah, again. Well, short,
2: you know, yeah. a very, very short scene there. Yeah, there's not a lot to say. That That's my last point, actually, so I'll just tag on to that. Um, I mean, first, look, I, I'm not a big fan of elevators. There's a lot of times they're very necessary, but I, I don't enjoy being on them. And oftentimes, depending on the elevator, um, they I get... um <sighs> I guess it's not you can't call it air sick or seasick or car sick or anything, but you know I just motion
3: sickness. Motion sickness. Like, Thank
2: you. That's a better term. What? God, that was really dumb of me. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I sometimes depending on the elevator or how fast it goes, I I do get a little you know topsy turvy um over those. So I'm I'm not really a big fan of elevators, and I and I uh, you know I'm claustrophobic, so it, you know the thought of getting like stuck in an elevator, which has happened to me um but you know just so i i I don't use them unless i have to is my point that i'm trying to get to so when Mm -hmm. they get into this creepy ass elevator i'm thinking is this thing up to code um it it doesn't look very (laughs) stable when they do get to the basement where the morgue is i mean how awful for those kids to be faced with that because I mean they know their fate and they know why they're there like you were right. saying earlier so that's terrible. But then when they uh when Alonka figures out that the the symbol button and it starts to go down even more, the you can see it shaking like mm-hmm. wobbling back and forth and you can see almost as it's going down and it kind of gets stuck and like kind of does like a little skip. And I'm just like, yeah. no, just, just no. Why, why are they in this elevator? They could totally get stuck and couldn't get out. It's the middle of the night. Who's going to hear them, you know, if they needed help or whatever. Does this thing even have like a phone or something,
3: you know, to to call someone for help? Just... We watched Haunting of Hill House. Mike Flanagan has already shown us kids going down in elevators cannot end well.
2: I mean, uh- <laughs> can we talk about Luke and the dumbwaiter, please? And basements? <laughs> That's all I'll say. Oh, oh, my God. I didn't sleep for a week over that. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm thinking no good things are going to come from this. Right. Uh, past experiences told me that this is going to end badly. And while this was scary, definitely wasn't Haunting of Hill House level scary, in my opinion. But. So, yeah, that creepy old lady is down there that she keeps seeing over and over again, which. I've mentioned a couple of times she keeps seeing that same old lady when Kevin's around. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to believe any bad in Kevin, and I do believe his genuine like surprise and shock about that hidden basement room. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, though. I don't uh, fully believe that he didn't go ahead and hit that damn button to... Bail or leave her down there. I don't know. I don't, I
3: think. Figured out his secret. He's, he dresses up as a creepy old woman and crawls around on the floor. We've pieced it together from these episodes. That's what it is. Crack
2: the code. Um, (laughs) But then I wonder um, could that be where Julia Jane was hiding
4: when we heard her story? Um, When she's like, well, I've been here the whole time. I never left. And they couldn't find her.
5: That's
3: a good thought. I bet so. <laughs> I
4: don't know. Seems like a really shitty
2: place to hide in my opinion. Cuz it
3: didn't even that story say like she was like went down the elevator and was never seen after that or something. Wasn't the elevator oh, part of that? Yeah, you know what?
4: Yeah, I think so. I'd have to go back and 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 watch, but you know what? I think you're right. Oh damn. <laughs> Might be onto something. I don't know what. Uh but
2: yeah, I don't I don't really have a whole lot to add to, to what you did because it, it cut off so quickly and uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it <laughs> at all. I, again, had to watch something, you know, uh, very happy and have a palate cleanser, as I have had to do with most Mike Flanagan shows, uh, to uh,
4: clear my head after that. It was scary as hell in the dark like that. Um, Any notes?
3: the only other note that i have is just a random production thing I uh, actually noticed this this was the same for episode 2 as well but uh co-producer and writer of the episodes episodes 2 and 3 was a china kahaj yeah um which i know that name i recognize that name uh she's a poet a playwright and a screenwriter uh she's actually the head writer for Ironheart that comes out next year on Disney Plus the Marvel series and I most know her like as a uh, guest rapper on a couple of uh, Watsky songs. Watsky's a kind of underground rapper that I'm a big fan of, and uh, she's done some guest spots on some of his songs, uh, "Exquisite Corpse," and then like one of my favorite songs, "Kill a Hipster." Uh, she's a rapper as well on those songs. So I'm there, wow. I was like, I saw that name, and I was like, "Like Kill a Hipster, Chyna Kahaj, and then like did some googling, and I was like, "It is her. Good for her. Good for doing well, some awesome stuff. That's cool." Yeah. She's expanding so, her horizons. Shout out to China Kahaj, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's awesome. I had no clue. So that's really interesting. Um well it was a
4: really good and intriguing episode, so she did a good job. Um, yeah. The only other note that I had, and I, I mean, I don't have
2: I, I don't have a clue and it might not mean anything, but do you notice there's a lot of circles? A lot of circle symbols and circles in the show. Like there's curved arches in the doorways and the um, Mm. like wainscoting in the hallways. There's a lot of circles.
3: Isn't there like a big skylight kind of in that main foyer too, isn't there?
2: Yeah, and well, that we mentioned the uh, statue kind of,
3: Mm. that
2: placement had like a circle in it where Kevin, you could see Kevin through that. I don't know, just, it could
4: be nothing. But I don't know if it means something or if it's just a part of the architecture and design, but just thought it was kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if it means anything or not. Um, and I think we've covered all of my other notes. Oh, sorry. I lied. One more. Um
2: <laughs> during the story that Kevin was telling, um, I definitely got a little callback to some lock and key vibes with the whispering. Did oh, get-
3: yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. But yeah, that's good.
2: I was like, wait, what, is- what show are we watching? Are talking- is he going to find a- <laughs> is he looking for a key? <laughs> or is the key right. going to find him? For anyone who hasn't watched uh, Lock and Key, if you're listening to this, you should go watch the show, listen to the podcast, yeah. read the comics. They're great. But um, yes, that's like, I was like, did they recycle? Like the sound effects from Lock Is It, the same is it for, a, for a few shots and scenes because it, it comes up repeatedly during his story. Yeah. And I'm guessing it probably represents the people he's killed. I don't know. But that's the first thing uh, when, when I started hearing, it, I was like, sounds like, because we just covered
3: that. So it's still pretty fresh with yeah. me. And I'm like, are they? This- so now we've got to find out. Are they recycling the whispers? Are they recycling the house? We've got two lock and key connections now. We're too scared to actually go and look up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm interested once it's over if I can go dig into the news and find out all of these things because um, I find that interesting. So I don't know, but that's immediately where my mind went to. and It t- kind of <laughs> took – not really took me out of it, but it was certainly distracted me for a minute. I was like, lock and key? Is mm. Kinsey going to come through the door any minute? and and Tyler are going to come up with, you know, a, a plan for the next demon they got to fight. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's all of my they notes. We could
3: use some oh, demon fighters in this place, maybe. I, I they
2: might need some demon fighters. They're going to need something for that creepy old lady in that freaking sub-basement, mm-hmm. whatever the hell that is. Uh, I, could,
4: I could live with not seeing her again. <laughs> Any other notes? That's it. That's all I've got. Awesome. Okay.
2: Well, I'm interested to see what our listeners um, have to say and see if they have any perspective. Do you want to take that first one?
3: All right. The first one comes from Laura Willie Swing. says, jumping in now to say that I finally just saw episode one. Damn you, Mike Flanagan. The dude is always making me cry with every one of his shows and this one in the first 20 minutes. Is it me or does the interior of the boarding house look suspiciously like the interior of Hill House? Sorry, this has already been discussed in the podcast. I'll be catching up on that next. I'd like the cast so far. The kids seem relatable in their shared tragedy. The first tale told had a nice eerie quality to it, but the jump scares didn't really get to me. I'm guessing that all the stories will continue to get creepier and darker as the stories progress. Oh, and the director of this home seems very sus to me. Hope to be able to catch up soon so I can send in more up to the date or uh, more up to date feedback. But so far, enjoying what I saw. Awesome. Yeah.
4: Jeff Allen says, I'm
2: disappointed in Alonka. A girl who loves the library as much as she does should have recognized a Dewey decimal number. There we go. <laughs> hey, all right,
3: <laughs> Papa, you figured it out. You know more than I do.
2: <laughs> After doing some research, two point nine two. Sorry, two nine two point one three is the heading for Greek mythology, specifically for books dealing with how mythological found or. With how mythological foundations. My guess is that Julia has left something in the library in a book with the Dewey Decimal Number 292.13. Yeah, I thought the same too. I thought either the book itself is important, um, if if that is what it is, um, either the book or something in the book. So um, cool. Um, he goes on, maybe information on what happened to her,
4: or what's going on with the visions, or quite possibly how the two are connected. Hmm. Intriguing. Awesome.
3: I love it. of people figuring out things that I missed. (laughs) Mm. All right. This one from Don Elizabeth says, I am really enjoying Anya. I thought she was great with Alonka's dad. I'm glad we're seeing so much of her, but like so many here, I'm afraid we may lose her. I also like Kevin. He seems so sweet and caring, especially with his brother. For a while, I suspected that Kevin was the one to come back from the dead. But now that I know that isn't, now that I know that isn't true. Did I hear the word red rum during one of the scary scenes? Another Stephen King, not possibly. Mm. That under basement is really creepy. I had the very uncharitable thought after the fact that Kevin possibly sent the elevator back upstairs (laughs) that it didn't go on its own. But I don't think this is correct as we have been told that it does do things on its own. One more thing I wanted to add. I've heard so many people here say that they're having a difficult time because this is a YA show. I must be an aberration because I'm 63 and still really enjoy shows with people this age. I still read books from my teenage years when I'm tired or stressed. I guess the reason I'm sharing this is to ask people to give this show a chance, as it is Flanagan's work, and we all know how good he is. I hope you don't mind me sharing a bit about myself.
4: At all. Not at all. Thank you for sharing, Dawn. Um, I don't know if I've seen
2: maybe comments on our page. I don't know. I know I myself admitted on the first episode I had a little bit mm-hmm. of a struggle, and I, I, I had said that oh i feel like it's hard to connect a little for me because it was a i feel like more for um like young adult kind of gear but then i had someone point out to me like well what about stranger things there's all young people in that show and i'm like yeah you know what you're right that's probably not the reason that <laughs> i'm struggling with it i think it was just that first episode i had trouble just connecting in general i think yeah you know it was just i don't think i got enough of one character or even all the characters to you know, make that connection or, you know, really feel that from them like I normally do. I feel like pretty quickly with some Mike Flanagan, I usually like right away in that first episode and I didn't hear. I think I was expecting that. And that was my problem. But I am I'm enjoying it. Thanks for sharing that, Don. That was great. Jennifer Camillary says, OK, hear me out. Remember how Julia Jane knew death dates? 292.13 equals 292013. 2013. I don't know whose death date it would be. Maybe if Shasta is really Julia, then maybe it's hers. I don't know. Hmm. Because yeah, she had an obsession with numbers. She kept calling out dates
4: and predicting people's death dates. So that's why I do think it has to be something like that.
5: could be also, yeah.
3: Because I was trying to put together how that could be a date as well like that. But yeah, I guess it kind of works if a decimal is a zero. Interesting. All right. This one from Maria Lawson says, Oh, Kevin and his incredibly good heart, trying to keep the weight of legacy off his little brother. Mom for sure has some issues, but what did his dad do to bring shame? I think that's what she said on their family. I think she actually said, he shat, <laughs> or like he, your father already shit all over the Carter name. I think is what she yeah. said. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So whatever he did. Uh, but she goes on saying, you know, his story is creepy. But I did have to laugh at his use of the Joe from you baseball hat
1: disguise.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Was that the same actress playing the mom in his story as his mom in the show?
4: Yeah. Yes.
3: Uh, what kind of darkness is his life? Is uh, what kind of darkness in his life is he hiding? because I get the sense from the casual mention of his mom having alcohol issues and the thing about his dad, there's definitely something there. The man changing the sheets, not sure if we know his name, was one of my favorite smaller moments from this episode. He was taking such care and was so compassionate in his work. Not sure how you all didn't go right to the next episode after this one. That is some serious restraint that I can't say I have.
4: It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, I don't know. They're hearing these things and now I'm really... It's getting my thoughts uh, churning about Mm -hmm. this, what did his dad do to bring the shame? What if it wasn't his
2: dad that brought shame, but maybe it was Kevin, and that's the secret he's keeping, that it Mm. wasn't his dad that did whatever it was, but it was him, and that's why he's not perfect. I don't know. I'm going off all over the place because it's all I got. Um. Marine Favo says after rewatch thoughts, this episode is when family day caused me to realize the series is about young adults coping with death and expectations of loved ones, but also the episode where I got excited about all the questions. Who is the old hag and what does she want? <laughs> <laughs> Who are the cloaks? What are they doing? And what time are they from? Are they ghosts of cultists? 292.13. What are your favorite smelly soaps? Didn't pick Mark as a lime guy. Robert Longstreet without facial hair is unrecognizable. What does hourglass symbol mean? And what is the basement all about? Why do I like Dusty? <laughs> <laughs> and why does he tell them to shut up if he can't hear them? Hmm. Only a terminal patient can get away with what's TBC. To be, continued. to be Oh, okay. Thank you. If you want to hear rest of um, all of you, all you have to do is stay alive a little longer. Do you think next episode starts in the sub-basement? How long boyfriend Kevin returns in elevator? How long? Oh, sorry. How long before? I'm sorry. I'm so bad at these. um, I'm butchering this. How long before Kevin returns in elevator? How long before they show to others? That's a lot of questions and I have no answers for any of them. Although I do agree that it was, if it hadn't been for Robert Longstreet's voice, I don't know if I would have known it was him right away.
3: Oh, I, I, I think I immediately recognized him. I don't really? know why, but I was just, yeah. Because I mean, his character, again, I won't spoil things, but yeah, Midnight Mass, because I remember that character having such an impact on me that.
2: But he had facial just, hair, yeah, he right? He, he did had have a lot of, a
3: beard in that show. Yeah. yeah. But I still, I could kind of, I don't know, maybe it's those eyes. It
2: took me a minute. Just,
3: he has kind eyes. He has very kind eyes. He does eyes. have very kind uh, eyes. But I was just say his and then the voice, I mean, definitely that's... But yeah, but I was like, oh, it's good. He's finally here.
4: Yeah. Hope we get more of him.
2: I don't know. Hopefully we'll
4: get some uh, answers to some of those questions soon. Hmm.
3: All right. And then there is one email here. It comes from Daphne. Do we, do we have another... Uh, unofficial book talk section. I don't know. We'll see. So um, she says, hi, Rima and Pake. Another great episode. I really like Alonka's approach to including Anya in the family day at Brightcliff. and how amazing is Tim really just a lovely supportive foster dad. The creep factor is still high, but not as high as with Hill house or Bly Manor. And I'm okay with that. I'm still going through the book and have the following to share. Although some of my book notes have to wait until we get further into the series. So as not to spoil anything. I promise I have a lot of fun nuggets to share for future episodes as more of the story unfolds in the book. The midnight club is not such a secret from the adults at Rotterdam. Hmm. The wicked heart story that Kevin tells is taken from Pike's 1994 novel, the wicked heart. Kevin does have a girlfriend named Catherine in the book and that's all for now. Yeah.
4: Nice. I liked those nuggets, Daphne. Mm -hmm. Um, And I look forward to hearing more. It's really thoughtful, um, yeah. her sharing some of that, because I have not read them and have zero knowledge. It's great. All right, we did get a couple of voice messages. First one we have
0: is from Jade. Let's see what she has to say. What's up, Rima and Paik? Woo, episode three. I think that this episode was very well placed because even though we're focusing on one character per episode, last week it was Anya, and this week gave us a lot of Kevin. We're still remaining engaged and interested in all of the other characters and using their family day as a way to get their backstory and their relationships in their lives. I really think it's helping me to connect with these characters and get me to really care about them. So I think that this episode was necessary. and well-placed. I'm still a little bit bothered by the dialogue. It's getting better. I think this episode was improvement. But Kevin's stuff, his lines are still very cheesy and unnatural sounding to me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. And then we get our obligatory Robert Longstreet appearance. He plays this janitor guy in Tristan's room. He's like changing the sheets. But I was kind of bothered. Okay, I felt two ways about the scene. I was a little bit bothered by it because it's just so weird He's like gingerly touching the sheets and talking about the pillows and he's talking about the ancient Egyptians and quoting Jim Morrison. And it was just the perfect example of Mike Flanagan just can't help himself. He gets a little poetic sometimes. He gets a little floofy with his language and it just kind of distracts me and like pulls me out of the show because all I can think about is people just don't talk like this. (laughs) But at the same time, Robert Longstreet, you know, he's incredible as an actor and he has a way with words and what the words that he was saying about death being feared by everyone but actually it's an ending of pain you know I thought it was really moving and everything it's just I don't know so for some reason this scene was it was kind of cheesy to me it just stood out as being this is not something that would ordinarily happen and this is exactly the perfect example of scenes that are in Mike Flanagan shows that bother me because it's just so unrealistic So we kind of got an answer to my question that I was asking before, uh, is Alanka psychic before she came to Brightcliff? Because she was having visions and everything. And she does say, yeah, I have had intuitive voices kind of guiding me along through life and getting me through tests and stuff. But now they're stronger and stronger and she can hear them really loudly since especially being here. So that was cool to have that kind of affirmed. We got some cool stuff from Anya in this episode, too. At first, I didn't like the way that it seemed like her personality totally jumped from being kind of bitchy to Alanka. Um, when Ilanka was trying to show her the pictures. And then when Tim showed up for family day, she was all smiley and nice. And I'm like, what is that? Like, that seems very unrealistic. But then the next scene, I saw her defend Ilanka to Tim. And she said, you know, in such a sincere, heartfelt way, we take care of each other here. And I was like, God, I'm really getting so many layers from Anya's character. I really, really love this character. And it shows how she really loves her friends. We're just seeing a softer side of Anya, and I love it. But then when they're discussing whether or not it was Tristan that Natsuki saw in the bed for a split second, she has one of the best lines, and she gets all back in her tough Anya way, and she's like, huh, heaven and hell. The world's such a colorful place. Why do you go out of your way to make it black and white? I was like, "Oh." good line and yeah but uh, sadly Anya is definitely dying after that speech she said how she'll come back with something tangible that can be proved you know I'm like okay that's it definitely (laughs) that's confirmation so this hourglass I'm thinking it could be a time travel thing because so much is being made of how the building was different through the decades and then Ilanka does say right at the beginning to Kevin she says it I went back it was like i went back in time so i'm like oh, okay time i'm thinking that maybe this is a time travel element i don't know and yes shasta is definitely julia jane i was wrong i thought that i think i'm blaming the writing though because that writing it really was leading me to believe the way that they were saying it that oh this woman doesn't exist because none of us have seen her but no she's definitely julia jane i was like oh duh how did i not see that (laughs) so now kevin 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 oh man (laughs) So okay, he's being linked to this creepy old lady in Alonka's Visions, and I think that we're led to believe in this episode that he might be bad. And I don't believe it. I think it's a red herring. But he's really not a great guy in this episode. I did not like Kevin in this, although I feel bad for him because we do get his backstory. So I mean, but still, he was kind of acting like a like a selfish jerk. He was using what Alonka confided in him about the screaming voices and the hourglass symbol, he just kind of used it in his story. And she was a little like, oh, you kind of plagiarized what I told you. And I, I just thought he was not acting like the greatest guy. And yeah, it was suspicious as hell that the elevator just randomly started going back up when Alonka gets out. But no, I think it's too obvious that he's got bad intentions or anything. I do think that Kevin knows more about what's going on here than he lets on. I think he's a little too insistent that none of Alonka's experiences mean anything. And he's always very dismissive of everything supernatural in favor of logic. But there's a reason that he didn't get off that elevator when Anilanka did. He knew enough to stay on the elevator, and I don't know if he made it go back up or not. I don't know. But I don't think that Kevin is a bad guy. I just think that he made some bad choices. <laughs> so now I've got a couple of predictions. I agree with you, Rima, on what you said last podcast. Mark is gonna die, where he's just being set up as the perfect, sympathetic, sweet character who will definitely be a casualty coming up in the future. So sorry about that, but it's true. <laughs> And then, okay, so I noticed there were 13 faceless hooded figures with candles that Ilanka saw, and I thought that this might be the significance of the 13 in the 292.13. And also, I love numerology, and I immediately saw that 292 equals 13. 2 plus 9 plus 2 is 13. Also, 292 is a palindrome. So I was thinking about all these things to do with that number, but then I watched it again, and in the scene where Tim and Anya are talking, and Ilanka is trying to get them to help her figure out what these numbers mean and what the drawings mean well where is that scene that scene is in the library and then that got me to think oh i knew that the library had significance and i knew that they spent too much time talking about it in a weird unrealistic way in the first episode and i remembered that he said something about oh they still use the dewey decimal system and i was like oh that's what it was they planted the seed 292.13 is probably a book number like how you look up in a card catalog. So that's my prediction. I don't know what you guys think. Let me know. I'm excited for episode four. I think that it's going to be really good. My friend who has watched the entire show has told me that episode four is really awesome. So I'm excited. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.
3: Awesome. 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 Thank you. Uh, There's a lot of great stuff in that, uh, which can't wait. I get to... We get to uh, podcast and record with Jade soon. We'll tease that, I'm sure later. Uh,
2: I mean, we, but, yeah, we could tease it now because I, th- yeah, I think it's probably as good as any time. Yeah, we're going to be talking to Jade. She's yeah, going to join the next us. Next thing you hear from us, uh, yeah, be a nice little but yeah, special. Uh, um,
3: but yeah, but I wanted to address kind of early part of her message where you know a lot of the complaints seems like, <laughs> a, but but yeah, but a lot of the things that she was ha- having issues with, sure. And stuff. And so I think, cause she's been kind of saying that over the past. Like, so I think I was going to address that. I think the reason I so strongly disagree with you, Jade is because I agree with you and I'll explain what that means is because you're talking about like, you know, Oh, people don't talk realistically like this and it's all about the realism. And, and I think maybe that's what I really enjoy about Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. is the poetry in motion and that I don't have to worry about everything being so realistic. And it's the story and the themes and the way things kind of, Supernaturally connect, even you know, and I know you're talking more just dialogue. Like people don't really talk like that, but again, it's like with the poetry is, I think that's I, again, I don't want to spoil things, but I think Midnight Mass. There's so many conversations between Aaron and Riley and monologues. that are waxing so oh, poetically yes. that they're my favorite parts of that oh series. My gosh, so forget
2: those scenes between him yeah. and Aaron. Yeah,
3: so so that's why I say I think I disagree with you on like a lot of these scenes being cheesy or bothersome because I agree that they're very overly poetic and kind of get rid of the realism of how people act. But I think I like that about Flanagan and that's a personal choice. That's a personal Absolutely. feeling. So if you're somebody like you who's kind of maybe isn't so fond of that, then I can see why it could bother you for sure.
2: I, I agree with that. I, I would see why it's not someone's taste and that's totally fine and it's valid, but I'm like you, I do enjoy it and it allows me to get lost i think in the language and -hmm. the poetry and gosh it yes that was some of my favorite parts with some of the dialogue like from hill house midnight mass blind manor Mm -hmm. such and i know there were complaints um you know times from listeners about too many monologues someone's always monologuing and I kind of love. I'm that. like, I kind of <laughs> like it, and maybe it's not how people talk in real time, but it it does it for me. I definitely fell in love with yeah. the language and the words, and you know, I I kind of forgot about that. People don't really talk this way, and I'm kind of thinking, I wish we yeah. kind of did talk that way. It's beautiful. Yeah. To Nobody me.
3: really tells their siblings everything is confetti, but right. Um, but when somebody does in a show like this it stays with you forever. yeah but um. i
2: totally get i totally get why um it's not for everyone honestly and that's okay it's just mm-hmm. different taste is all and and it's all valid where it's all subjective right um yeah. thanks jade that was fantastic fantastic analysis i like those points all right well, thank you everyone so much for that feedback. We really appreciate your thoughts. Got a lot of great conversation going on about this show and trying to figure it out and I love it. So keep it coming. Um, so next week on The Midnight Club we're going to be covering episode four yes, of The Midnight Club titled Give Me a Kiss.
3: Which all I can think of, there's a band that I really like called Missio and that's a song on their new album that came out this year there's a song called give me a kiss but that's probably nothing related to this episode at all well
2: I wouldn't know because I didn't look at the description um (laughs) and I know nothing about what to expect other than it's just the fourth episode so Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll be covering that same time next week but as we were kind of teasing after we played Jade's email it'll be um, me and Paik along with Jason and Jade, as our special guest, we're going to podcast on an old movie, and I'm going to have to look it up because I don't remember the year, unless you happen to know it offhand, Paik. Um
3: It's the 60s. Is I it, know that much, but I don't remember the exact year.
2: Let's see. Um, 1961. I just looked it up on IMDb. Titled The Innocents. Hmm.
4: So, this movie was... Also,
2: was it ba- was it based or loosely based off of? I I haven't actually
3: heard of it before this. Really? But okay. My understanding is it's it's an, an adaptation of the Turning of the Screw, right? Yes. So, which was also haunting a blind Manor was an adaptation of that as well.
2: Exactly. So I think that we're going to have some fun talking about that adaptation, and then maybe I think. Um, while we're talking about the movie also maybe drawing some comparisons to blind manor since that
3: was kind yeah. of
2: loosely based
3: yeah since we we covered that and talked about it it's been a while i haven't rewatched it since we first covered it i haven't so. either
2: i'll be going All purely right. from we'll memory. see how much i
3: remember yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> which is zero no I, I i remember things obviously i remember the big yeah. things um Mm-hmm. And I remember how it made me feel more than anything. I always remember how something yeah. makes me feel, and Mike Flanagan always makes me feel something. So, um, so yeah. But I haven't done a rewatch either, so it's not super fresh with me. And I'm definitely not going to have time before we record on this. So hope hope that you guys will join us for that. I will put up a post. I'm very late with everything because I'm doing House of the Dragon at, this, at um, as well, and that's definitely taken yeah. a lot of my time. So what,
3: the the plan is for it to come out on Monday as like a Halloween special. It's gonna is that be, what I understood?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be for Halloween. So I think one of our first ever, I don't know that we've ever done like a Halloween kind of special, which I don't know why we don't. That's kind of our thing. Right. <laughs> I don't know why. So I guess thanks, Jade, for prompting us to do something like that. Um, but anyway, hope that you guys join us. I will um, manage to get up a post eventually. If you decide to watch The Innocence, I think it might be free on YouTube. So I don't think it'll cost you anything to find it and watch it. If you would like to watch and give us some feedback and let us know what you think.
4: So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, looking forward to that, all kinds of good stuff coming up.
3: Yeah, definitely. And if you want to write in or leave us a message for innocence coming up or for the next episode of midnight club, you can find all of our contact information over on podcastica.com.
2: And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows. A lot of great things happening. Handmaid's Tale still mm-hmm. um, coming out. Um, Andor, or uh, we just wrapped Kristen and I um, the season uh, one finale of House of the Dragon.
3: I'm excited to listen to that this weekend. <laughs>
2: you know, Make sure you get some time set aside. It's another marathon mm-hmm. as usual.
3: Uh- <laughs> um, but, I'd expect nothing less from you. Yeah,
2: I just don't know. <laughs> well, you know, book talk takes up literally mm-hmm. a third of of all of that, so that's. If you skip that, then uh, it's not as bad. But um, so, yeah, a lot of great podcasts. There's something for everyone. If if you want something light, if you want something dark, if you want something heavy, if you want some, you know, we've, we've got it all. So be sure to check out all, all the uh, shows out of Podcastica and go support all of our fellow Podcastica hosts. Oh, and speaking of Jade and Jason, um, they have started along with Penny, another good friend of ours. And fellow podcastica, um host. They just started a new podcast for the Netflix show Dead to Me. So mm-hmm. go check them out if you're a fan of that show. I know season three is getting ready to start so they're kind of going back and covering seasons one and two kind of in uh, little batches there covering, covering those first two seasons in anticipation of season three. So go out and listen uh, to them and show them some support.
3: Yeah. And then while you're in that supporting mood just go and Leave a review on Apple uh, Podcast for Strange Indeed, and really all the other podcast shows to enjoy. Give us reviews and subscribe and follows and all those good things. It really help punch up our numbers and get everybody getting to listen to us. Right,
2: it helps people find us, and we appreciate <laughs> that. So yeah, and while you're checking out all of those amazing podcasts, don't forget about Pick and Daphne's amazing podcast called Run for Your Lives. You guys have done a fantastic job um, covering all of the. Um, variations
3: of it
2: you say that yes. way better than i do so would you like to tell everyone <laughs> the, the it
3: iteration yes <laughs> uh, of that story um yeah no yeah it's been it uh all all month and yeah so this week on friday we'll be uploading the the final it episode we finally made it with uh, andy machete's 2019 it chapter two um so that's the one that's coming up and then we actually do have a Halloween special coming up on Monday as well over on Run for Your Lives. Ooh. So that's another bonus episode on that podcast, too. So I've got two, according to four podcasts this week. Busy, busy. You are so um, busy. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and for that, we are doing Halloween on Halloween as we've done the past two years. So Monday, look over on Run for Your Lives for Halloween Ends, the finale to this Michael Myers Blumhouse trilogy and Oh, boy. um, (laughs) I'm not going to try to be too mean, but you know what? You don't have to watch the movie. If you just want to listen to us, you'll get the chance. I I think Uh,
2: that's perfect. uh, Yeah, just listen to the podcast. We saw
3: early reviews coming out. We were like, this is going to be a shit show, but it's going to be at least fun to talk about. Uh We can joke and have a good time, even if the movie's terrible. Uh, So that's still fun to do sometimes.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. It uh, changes Mm -hmm. things up every now and again. That's awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for that. All
3: right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That is our show. So thanks for listening, everyone.
2: Until next time, I'm Rima.
3: And I'm Paige.
2: And Gemma Hall
4: is strange indeed.